Hey guys, Jim Cox, and I'm here today with an interview with Ted Glick. Um, he is an eco-activist, <clears throat> been busy in the last couple of months especially, but um, has done a lot of work in terms of trying to motivate people to take action on what we're facing in terms of climate change. So Ted, thanks for taking the time to uh, chat today. Yeah, I appreciate the invitation. Thank you. Um, so tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, how did you get involved in activism, uh, especially around the, uh, the planet and the climate? Well, on the, as far as the issue of the, of the climate, it goes back very directly to um, the summer of 2003 when there was a major uh, heat wave uh, in Western Europe. And the latest numbers I just recently saw were that uh, somewhere around 70,000 people died uh, wow. during this heat, heat wave in Western Europe in the summer of 2003. And I, I had known about the issue of global warming uh, and the heating up of the earth. I knew about that and I knew it was a genuine issue, but this, is, this kind of shocked me at, into doing much more research and reading into the reality of where things were at that point in time. And essentially after several months of reading uh, several books, I ended up deciding that I it was more, bit more further along, more imminent and more dangerous, more serious than I had thought it was. And I decided, uh, you know, soon after that, that I needed to begin doing what I could, getting involved as I, as I could uh, in efforts to uh, address this crisis. So I have been active uh, ever since then with uh, a variety of different groups. Um, so that, that's, that's where my climate background prior to that, I, I became an activist during the Vietnam War when I was a student in the 1960s. Mm. And I left college and I worked full time um, one way or the other, volunteer or uh, in some way um, <clears throat> against that war and then various, various other causes over the course of, uh, of uh, my life since that time. Um, community organizing is a lot of what I've done over the course of uh, my lifetime uh, on uh, several different issues. But uh, for 20 years, almost 20 years, the primary issue has been the climate crisis. So that's, that's, that's my background. Awesome. So um, in terms of, I think the way that uh, I became aware of your work was I had seen that you had been speaking at a I think it was a library or a church giving a talk on kind of the climate crisis. And so, you know, how do you see things go? Like, how, how, how do you see things have changed in the past, like, let's say three years? Uh, the last three years. Hmm. Well, I, I do think that because of, Trump being defeated uh, in 2020 uh, and the Democrats getting uh, control and about as uh, uh, fingernails uh, hanging on kind of control as you can get over both the House uh, and the Senate um, for the last two years. Um, there have been <clears throat> some good developments there, uh, particularly the Inflation Reduction Act 
which does have a, a number of very good things to advance, help advance the basically the renewable energy revolution, shifting away from fossil fuels to wind energy, solar energy, uh, energy from the tides and the currents, geothermal, you know, these clean energy sources. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have criticisms of aspects of that bill, um, and I also think it should have been much, much larger. It, it, if, if it hadn't been for Joe Manchin and Kristen, Kirsten Cinema, it would have been larger, uh, but uh, that was the reality. Um, that is the reality still. So, um, so I do think that there's been uh, that that's been an important development. I also think that um, the more activist climate movement, climate justice movement, over the last several years, has uh, uh, there's been some good developments in terms of groups coming together. There's a a coalition called People Versus Fossil Fuels. There's almost there's over a thousand organizations who are a part of this, at least on paper, and hundreds of them that are you know actively involved with it and have been involved with different campaigns, essentially trying to stop the build out of fossil fuels. You know, to stop the building of the pipelines and the export terminals and the compressor stations for gas and and etc. So. Um, I, I do feel that the climate movement, uh, as well as what is happening as far as legislation uh, nationally and certainly in many states, that's been going on for, for, for a long time, actually. A number, growing number of states have been taking action. So I do feel there's progress. The, the big problem, you know, is always uh, we're so up against it uh, on, on this issue in terms of just the um, how far things have already gone and we're seeing it with all the extreme weather events that are getting yeah. more 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 frequent more dangerous so you know that's always uh, you know i i don't forget that the urgency of the issue but i do feel um you know a number of things are moving in the right direction uh, and hopefully we can hold off the uh you know trump uh and the the um you know the the uh, the trump movement the uh uh, this this really uh, cancerous um, development here in the United States, <clears throat> and uh, over time, um, in the next hopefully couple of years, uh, you know, defeat that essentially, uh, minimize it, and we be able to kind of advance the way we really need to. What role does um, when you're when you're looking at the political aspect, like what what role does uh, fossil fuel money play in kind of this conversation? Well, there's no question that the I would I would put it that the common enemy of humanity and all life forms on this planet is the fossil fuel industry. Uh, they, you know, they've known uh, they've known for at least 40, 45 years. They did their own studies like the mid 70s, Exxon. Uh, there's been documentation and, and testimony about how they knew. Uh, what was going to happen if the world continued to be uh, hooked on fossil fuels and the burning of oil, coal, and gas? And not only did they do nothing about it, they actually they did just the opposite. They, they took action um, to support uh, organizations that were would, would prevent uh, that knowledge um, from being known. Uh, they, they actively uh, and financially supported groups that were about confusing people and keeping keeping the country and keeping the world 
from taking action on this crisis. Uh, I mean, they, they um, I think there's now seven states that have taken the fossil fuel industry to court, basically over the fact that they, uh, they lied and they, they engaged, I would say, in criminal activity mm-hmm. uh, and covered it up. Um, and so these, there are seven states, one of which is New Jersey, where I live, that have taken this type of an action. So I, I think that that, that, that industry uh, is, um, they, they, there's also just so much money, so tremendous amounts of money that they have used to keep uh, primarily Republicans, but also some Democrats in line. It's yeah. been uh, bipartisan. Um, and uh, they they have definitely uh, had a major influence on on policies, and they continue to have influence on policies, no question about it. Again, particularly with the Republican Party. So, yeah, it, that that's the I to, I think that the more that the uh, those who get it on how serious the crisis is uh, are willing to be very explicit about that being the problem. That's the yeah. fun- fundamental underlying problem, that industry and its power. They don't have the power they used to. They don't have, uh, they're, they're, they're not doing as well economically as they used to. In many ways, they're in, uh, they could be in a, uh, heading towards a kind of a spiral, a, down- a downward spiral. And that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, we just need to move quickly um, to yeah. uh, both cont- keep that going and advance the, the, the alternative renewable uh, sources of energy that, that are technologically feasible and are much better price-wise that are gonna yeah. save people money. Yeah, one of the, uh, one of the strategies to take the, uh, to drain some of the power from fossil fuel industry is divestment from fossil fuels. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Can you share any recent uh, stories of success? I mean, that's the work that I do with individual mm-hmm. people, but um, mm-hmm. what kind of success have you seen in terms of institutionally? Yeah, actually, there's a, been a lot of success that when this, when the, the divestment from fossil fuels movement began to develop um, maybe nine or 10 years ago. I know Bill McKibben and the organization 350.org. <clears throat> I'm actually the, the president of a 350 New Jersey uh, chapter. Uh, New Jersey, thrift, uh, 350 New Jersey, Rockland. We actually work with people in New York also in Rockland County. But uh, but that, that was the organization that really initiated what has developed into an extremely broad and uh, extensive um, you know, mix of institutions and organizations that, that have divested and are working on it. I believe that the latest number, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure the latest number is there's something like $40 trillion um, in assets that are held by somewhere maybe around 1,500 um, institutions that have divested in some form. Um, that you know that includes religious institutions. It includes um, governments. It includes pension funds. Uh, includes schools. Um, so you know, though it, it's become uh, a uh, a force. You know, to some extent, economically maybe, uh, but definitely politically. Um, it definitely is. It's like taking away the social license. Yeah. You know, kind of the, the, the positive social license of, of the fossil fuel industry yeah. um, by having the banks, which are so essential um, for that industry, 
um, you know, start to uh, feel the feel the heat and stop lending money to them um, by seeing the shift that's happening. So I, I so uh, here in New Jersey, where I live, we we actually have been we've been working for about four or five years on a divestment campaign. Um, Rutgers and Princeton University, they've both uh, made made decisions to start the process of divestment. Um, there's somewhere in the neighborhood of about maybe 40% of all the, the state Senate and state assembly members in New Jersey have signed on to legislation mm -hmm. mandating uh, divestment of the state's pension fund for you know, public employees. And um, you know, there is some movement there. There's uh, actually press, growing press coverage here in New Jersey of that movement in a, in a positive way. Um, and, uh, and New York, New York State, they've divested or they are in the process of divesting their pension funds. Uh, I believe the state of Maine has done something similar. The California uh, educate the California university system. Mm -hmm. I don't know where it stands, but they 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 are may well be well on the way towards divestment. So there are and there are campaigns elsewhere. So that that is definitely I'm taking taking up uh, putting on pressure through campaigns like this to get banks to stop financing the expansion of fossil fuels. That that is a very live and viable uh, you know uh, campaign with lots of groups working on it right now. And that's something that you know as far as from an an activism standpoint for individuals that they can do on their own, you know, in terms of their own mm -hmm. money, they can, in a lot of cases, they have the opportunity to make those choices and be mm -hmm. more aware and to have some, have some uh, say over what's going on. You had mm -hmm. mentioned the, uh, the inflation reduction act, and that brought to mind, uh, you know, an issue that, has kind of been a, a lightning rod of division, which is the connection between social justice and climate justice. Mm -hmm. Like there, there's there's a there's a there's a challenge that a lot of people kind of refuse to see the connections that the fact that these two things are connected. Mm-hmm. Do you ever do you ever talk about that in terms of like like your talks like what are the what's the connection between improving social justice with addressing the problem of the climate? Yeah, no, I'm glad you glad you raised that. No, that is very important. That definitely is is something that I have been attuned to and have spoken out about and been involved with actions that are that do link those issues, like make these connections uh, for a number of years. You know, the, I mentioned the, the network People versus Fossil Fuels, and one of the strengths of that network is that it has um, significant leadership from indigenous-based uh, organizations in the United States, and what's now the United States, um, as well as uh, a, a pretty good uh, mix of other um, uh, of different races, different nationalities, different cultures, all working together, and and that issue of the the uh, the the, necess the necessity of a a justice component to the work of getting off fossil fuels and onto a renewable energy path um, is really very central to um, to that group and and then to, to and then to, and and to many groups. Um, one, one, one way in which, of course, that plays out is that many of the, uh, it, the, the 
you know, the, the plants where coal is burned, the places, you know, coal or oil or, or gas, um, where, where fossil fuels are burned, um, are located in low income and or pe people of color communities so that they are on the receiving end of the, most, most immediately they're on the receiving end of the pollution from these, you know, these companies, these factories. Um, and so to the extent to which we shift off of fossil fuels to that extent, will uh, the, the, the air uh, and the water and the land um, and surrounding you know, those polluting factories, those polluting operations uh, will be uh, reduced and eventually hopefully eliminated. Um, the other, another aspect of it is that when the, 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 uh, there's so many more jobs uh, that uh, are are coming already um, with the shift away from fossil fuels to renewable energy. Um, the uh, there there's uh, the latest figure I saw like worldwide there's something like maybe 33 million people employed in the I think it's in the solar industry might be solar and wind uh, and the predictions are that by uh, the end of the decade it might be more like 50 55 million people employed in the United States it's maybe I think it's maybe one and a half million people employed in, in solar and wind at this point. Um, I mean, it's clearly, you know, uh, to the extent to which we make the shift, there, there's, there's a, a potential for a great deal of job creation. So that for communities that are, you know, much, have much higher unemployment rates uh, and where people, you know, need to have some, uh, some decent work that pays them, uh, you know, a decent salary. Uh, these are industries um, that uh, can do that. Um, I do think there are issues still to be seriously addressed of like the unionization of the workforces of solar and wind. Um, that, that's a real thing. Um, I, th I think to the extent to which uh, uh, people see those, I mean, experience those industries as industries where they're, they're, where they don't just have steady work, but they have work that you know gives them a good, solid living wage, and decent benefits, and they're treated with respect on the job. All of those things, um, that's all to the good, and and moves us in the direction as a society that we, we should be going. So I think those are a couple of the major uh, specifics in terms of of kind of the linkage um, uh, between these two issues. But it it won't necessarily happen, you know, in and of itself. I thought. One of the good things about, you know, the uh, federal legislation is that it had in it the uh, forty percent that forty percent of the 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 um, the, uh, the the funding and so on. Um, this was like a Biden policy would go to uh, kind of environmental justice um, communities. Uh, that all that has not always been what's happened practically, um, but there was that aspiration. And it's something that continues to be uh, something to, to, to work for and to fight for. Well, usually just the federal government saying that they're going to move in a particular direction is enough to make a substantial change in terms of the way that the whole economy looks at things. Um, mm -hmm. So just just even indicating that can really help redirect a lot of a lot of benefits. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we're in the middle of seeing. I didn't even realize it was going to start until it started, but COP 27, right. um, COP 26, which took and COP 27s in Egypt, COP 26 was in Scotland. And 
from what I understand, what happened in Scotland was it all got torpedoed by corporate interests. I mean, is there any progress to be expected in terms of on an international stage in terms of addressing the uh, the climate crisis through the COP right process? Uh, yeah, no, that's that's. Um... That's a very big question. Uh, the The history has not been a good one in terms of what has come out of that in that whole process. Really, I mean, the 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 it is a positive thing that every year, um, you know, almost all the nations of the world gather and they have their discussions and and whatever else goes on there about this issue and how it can be addressed. Uh, there's, in general, that's a positive thing. Uh, it is a good thing that as of now, as I understand it, with the pledges that have been made by countries in terms of their uh, taking action to reduce their their own, each country's uh, greenhouse gas emissions, that um, the, that, uh, the um, projection is that temperatures, if, if again, everything was followed through on, which is a huge issue, if it's actually always followed up on, sometimes it definitely is not. But if it was all, if all the pledges were followed up on and carried out, the, uh, the estimate is that, that the amount of warming uh, worldwide, um, in terms of since the industrial revolution and, and since, since think when things began to to change and the numbers started to go up, um, that it would be about a little less than a three degrees centigrade increase. Uh, and that, and when this whole process, you know, began, um, you know, and even like I remember 10, 15 years ago, uh, uh, people writing about this issue were, were saying that the way things are going, we could be four to five degrees or even more in terms of the amount of warming. So um, that is something uh, of value. Of course, you know, 2.93 degrees centigrade, I mean, it'll be terrible. I mean, the world will be like a really a living hell. It really will. So we're not there yet, to say the least, even with the, the degree of, of the pledges. Th those need to change as well as the actual implementation. So anyway, there, so um, I, again, I, I, so I think it's a good thing that the world need, kind of keeps, has to keep focused on this through these international conferences, uh, but clearly um, absent uh, real, um, uh, you know, up continued organizing, continued work, um, all the various shifts that are happening, you know, with people's personal lives and with institutions and with, with groups taking up this issue and more and more uh, people elected to office, understanding this is a serious immediate issue. I mean, all of that needs to continue. Um, just, you know, th th this is the decisive decade. I mean, if we're already almost, you know, it's getting close to being you know, almost beyond that. So um, the one other thing I'd say, though, about the whole UN process, I've been, uh, you know, pretty impressed by the uh, Secretary General, uh, yeah. Gutierrez. I mean, he has been like, uh, he has put it right out there. I mean, you, you get the impression, I mean, uh, from what he says, that on a personal level, he really understands how serious this is, how bad it is, and is doing everything he can within a 
organization that has, you know, it's not easy to get it to move, uh, to really try to uh, push things. Yeah. So, so, so that's a lot, it's a long way of saying, I think there's value to the fact that this process continues on, on an international level. Uh, but in terms of, um, it, uh, you know, stepping up to the plate, um, uh, it's a very slow process so far. And, um, hopefully that will change soon. Maybe some things, something will happen, um, that will lead to, uh, a ramping up of this process practically in terms of what countries are willing to do. Governments are willing to both pledge and follow through on. What, um, what are some ideas of ex actions that people can take in their own lives to help improve the situation, either in terms of climate change or just adaptation to like what we're moving into? Mm -hmm. like, what are some actions that people can take? Well, I, I, I will, I will, um, talk more specifically about what individuals or like families can do. I, I, but before I do that, I, I want to say one of the things that anybody can do is they can either start or they can join an organization that is about working on this issue. Hmm. Um, you know, that that's, that's very important. You know, that change doesn't happen just, just through individual uh, behavior or individuals yeah. doing this. It, it, it's, it happens when people join together and work together. Um, so I think that's very important. You know, the, the, the uh, Al Gore, his movie uh, back uh, after Hurricane Katrina in 2005, um, I'm forgetting the name of it right now. Inconvenient uh, Truth. Remember? That's right, An Inconvenient Truth. You know, there's an awful lot that was really good about that movie and, and, and uh, uh, teaching people, helping people understand how serious this crisis was and, and what Hurricane Katrina meant, where it came from. And at, and at the end of it, then there were a series of, at the end of it, it then, you know, gave a number of things that individuals could do. And, you know, they were all fine, but there was no mention of people taking action you know, to even press their legislators, I don't believe, to to uh, pass legislation. Maybe that was there, uh, but well, I it think was, it, uh, I think it was. It was and I think that was that was one of the takeaways was, you know, community, you know, connect mm -hmm. to others, share the mm -hmm. message, because I think at that point there really wasn't the message. It really was about trying to share the message that this is actually mm -hmm. happening and it's actually important. Yeah, but. Yeah, I agree. Community is community building is key. Yeah, no, totally. You know, the, the specific thing, I mean, I'll, I'll just say what some of the things that we, my wife and I have done. Uh, we have an electric car. We bought a, a Chevy Bolt electric car four years ago. Um, I definitely am a, am a big supporter of public transportation um, and uh, that, you know, as much as we can get it off of our kind of reduce our dependence upon cars, you know, that's a good thing. But the reality is for many people, including us, you know, we live somewhere where we can't just hop on the train or hop on a, a, a well-functioning a well bus system, et cetera. Um, so, you know, I, I definitely think that people um, looking at uh, if they need to be using cars or vehicles, looking at the most energy efficient ones, clearly electric cars are, are a big step up from the standpoint of energy efficiency and, 
and reducing greenhouse gas emissions. That's one thing. Uh, we got a heat pump in our house, an electric heat pump. Uh, about three or four years ago, we replaced our uh, gas furnace that we'd, we'd had here for a long time, and we got an electric heat pump. Um, we, uh, we, we have too many trees to put solar panels on our roof, uh, but fortunately, we live in a state where you can sign up for a um, via through your, your utility company um, to get uh, you know renewable energy uh, to be what you you know provides your, your your energy you know provides your electricity. You can sign up um, so that you know we my wife and I are signed up for a, a 100% system in terms of um, it's not like. You know, there's a wind farm somewhere that sends that energy directly to my house, but it's like there, there's the the, the uh, utility company, you know, has to uh, provide enough, um, you know, provide en uh, electricity from renewables into their overall grid um, uh, on the basis of what, you know, people like me and my wife have have, have signed up to do. Um, so we, we've done that. Um, we don't we don't use our um our uh, gas uh, uh, dryer anymore. Um, we hang up our clothes on the line, and sometimes we hang them up in the winter inside our house. Um, that's something we do. It's 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 fairly minimal, mm -hmm. but that's one small way um, to reduce uh, our electricity use. We've had our house. Uh, we had an energy audit a long time ago, many years ago, and uh, things were done to uh, have a much more efficient, energy efficient house less leakage, that's definitely always important. Um, we also have re reduced our meat consumption. I'm, I've actually become a vegan, um, primarily for health reasons, honestly, but even bef but bef but before that, we, we, we didn't eat a lot of meat uh, because again, uh, you know, shifting from a, a meat-based to a plant-based diet is, is good for the, uh, the earth, for the environment, good in terms of reducing greenhouse gas emissions. So I think those are that's that, I mean there's there are other things we 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 shifted our we we um, shifted from having a you know a big like I don't know what it was hundred gallon or what fifty gallon whatever it was water heater uh, we now have an on demand water heater so we're not wasting um, kind of the, the heating up of water and then it cools down when you don't use it and then you know you, you have to heat it up again and so on so we've done as a lot of things um, so that we're consistent with what we believe I mean, that's what that's all ultimately what it comes down to you know it's 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 hard to be a uh, legitimate kind of messenger for a cause if if you're really not practicing what you preach so we we've uh, done all those things we've and we've saved money by doing them too we we absolutely are are, are saving money um so yeah those are some of the things that people can do from from our experience awesome i agree and uh I'm vegan as well. Uh, completely agree with you know the both the the health benefits of changing your diet to something plant based to and also the the impact on the planet. I mean, if there's any one thing that can have a, just a quantum effect on what we're doing to the planet, it's it's changing our diet, and there's really no reason that people need to eat meat. So. Um, and, and what I what I learned from becoming a vegan about a year and a half ago is that it's a lot easier to be a vegan now, at least in this country, in the United States, at least yeah. in where I am, 
because there are a whole bunch of alternatives like uh, you know i what i call fake meat fake cheese uh you know etc i mean there there's these uh, these these options that you have that didn't exist in, say five ten years ago i'm sure yeah so um, so it's not i mean at least at least where i am it's it's not that hard to do really if if you you um if you pr appreciate uh, really both the health benefits because yep. there's no question that a, ve a vegan diet is healthier for you you have exactly. to be concerned that you really have to watch the protein making sure you get enough protein and uh, I, I do, uh, I definitely do that. I actually do take some protein powder, you know, some, some uh, basically vegan protein powder uh, to make sure I'm getting enough protein. But, uh, you know, again, that, that can be handled. It's, it, you just have to be conscious of it and work at it. Yeah. I mean, it's all about building in some of the, some of the building blocks in terms of the diet uh, around beans, legumes, nuts. Mm -hmm. Um, and the, and the re reality is that there's so many different things out there that you can put together. It really, you know, encourages a person to be more creative and mm -hmm. actually enjoy the process of putting food together and making it tasty, you know, uh -huh. Uh -huh. I find. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of the things that has happened recently over the past couple of months there's been a lot of activism especially in europe where you've had activists go to museums and um you know throw tomato soup on van gogh paintings and whatnot in order to draw attention uh happened a number of times different places what's your feeling on that kind of activism um, I, in general, support it. <clears throat> uh, we are in a climate emergency. I mean, it just is. A, it, it really is. And it's getting worse. And these are nonviolent actions. Nobody um, is being uh, hurt or injured from them. Uh, as I understand uh, from what I've read about the actions they've taken at these, you know, very uh, famous and, you know, uh, important paintings to kind of the, the world's culture um they they consciously did it in a way that would not um at least significantly uh impact you know the the, the actual painting um that's that's my understanding uh you know and so i think that was smart um uh you know another action that that um yeah, I thought of when you mentioned that is during the um, Tour de France bicycle race uh, in July of this year. You know, I, I'm a long distance biker and I really I love to watch the Tour de France and get inspired. And um, so I'm watching and all of a sudden, uh, you know, it's like these live camera shots with these motorcycles, like, you know, filming uh, bikers, you know, as they're zipping along at 45 miles an hour. And um all of a sudden, they they showed that something happening and and bikes having to stop and um, there's almost like a traffic jam of bikes, and it turns out it was like eight or nine young people. They were almost all young. They were all young people from what I saw, and they just got had gotten themselves organized and they did a sit-in across the road, um, and uh, they they brought the Tour de France to a halt for a little bit of time. And I thought that was a smart action. Again, it was nonviolent. Um, 
I mean, I, I my, my personal background is uh, during the Vietnam War, I was a, a, a draft resistor. I, I, I did not support that war. I want to do everything I, I could to stop it. Uh, I refused to carry my draft card. I ended up being um, you know, sent an induction notice. I, I refused to be inducted into the army. And then I ended up getting involved with uh, something called the Catholic left, uh, which in included you know, priests and nuns. They were the ones who started this whole movement uh, where people went into draft boards and uh, destroyed draft files. Again, all mm -hmm. this nonviolently. Sometimes we would just remove them and take them somewhere and burn them, you know, in a, in a, in a container. Um, and I felt, uh, you know, and there was some kind, there was definitely controversy uh, within the, the peace movement over those tactics. Some people felt that was too, you know, it was just too much breaking the law in the middle of the night, going into these, these offices, et cetera. Uh, but we've, we felt, and we, we said this, and over time, I think uh, people, a lot of people who had been critical changed their minds that um, you were taught that what we were dealing with was pieces of paper and these pieces of paper, these draft files was what allowed um, the, the selective services to send young men to Vietnam, uh, to Indochina, uh, some of whom were going to get killed, others of whom, you know, were going to um, kill other people and the war would be prolonged and, you know, lots of lives would, 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 would be unnecessarily lost in a, in a cause that in a war that never should have happened. So that's my background. So I'm, I, I haven't changed in terms of my belief that there are times on certain issues when a stronger action than people would usually want to take, actually. It's not like pe most people don't want to do these kind of actions. They're risky. You can go to jail. You don't know what's going to happen. But there are times when these kinds of actions are called for. And, and if, I, I, if there was ever a time when there's a need for these types of actions to draw attention to the urgency and the seriousness of the climate emergency, it certainly is now and really has been uh, now for a number of years. Um, so, yeah, that's my long-winded answer to your question. Yeah, completely agree. The um, One of the challenges is the... It seems like, especially over the past five years, the criminalization of protest, you know, mm -hmm. the fact that it seems like the government under really corporate leadership, uh, especially when you look at like the protests around the pipelines and mm -hmm. uh, so forth that have taken place, that people have been more heavily prosecuted and really with an effort to try to stamp out any sort of protest in that regard. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know. no, a number of, the, number of the states where fossil fuels are, you know, a major part of their uh, uh, economics and where they have a lot of, a lot of pipelines and compressor stations and, you know, other fossil fuel um, infrastructure. Uh, yeah, they, they, they really, um, I mean, there's like, like you can get five years if you're protesting at the wrong place. You know, if you get too close to like a, uh, you know, a fossil fuel uh, factory or something, um, yeah. it's, it's really just way over the top. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I will say that um, there have been examples of how people, um, despite all of that, have been willing to uh, do nonviolent uh, direct action uh, and have been arrested 
and they've gone to trial. Um, and the jury has essentially either been a hung jury or I think in some cases might have even um, acquitted them or, or, the, or judges have acquitted that people doing this. Uh, they were, they were the, the, probably the most well-known one is um, there were people, this was maybe three years ago, roughly, who um, in terms of the tar sands oil coming from Canada down, down through the United States for a you know, shipment overseas, um, they, they were, I don't know how many, there could have been maybe 15 or 20 people at several different places. They, they had really studied how the industry worked and they went to uh, pumping stations um, that are just you know out in the middle of nowhere with nobody around. And uh, they were able to get into these you know pretty small pumping stations and they just turned the valves. They, they turned the valves that allowed the oil to keep flowing and they contacted the company. They contacted the company, I think, maybe right before it happened. So the company was alerted so that, you know, there wasn't maybe some, you know, accident that happened because of what they were doing. So they were, again, very conscientious about it. But they were doing it as a way of kind of putting their bodies on the line and risking who, who knows how long. I think at least one person ended up being, being convicted and spent maybe two years, two years in prison and may, may, may even still be in maybe still is in prison. It, it might be more than one, might be a few, but a number of them were essentially acquitted uh, or, um, or uh, the, the judge, you know, acquitted by a jury or the judge uh, found them innocent because of uh, the issue and, and because of the way they did it. Hmm. So, you know, how things are done in terms of the tactics of these kinds of actions uh, is very important. You know, if, if I, I've never... Uh, never thought that just kind of like striking out kind of a, basically emotionally because something so terrible and so bad is, 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 is the right way to, to change things. You know, yep. Things have to be done very consciously, very strategically, really think through the implications of, of, of your action um, and, and what the, you know, the, what the effects could be both negatively and positively and do your best to have the action be mm-hmm. one that really educates people, um, challenges people in a good way um, to get people to think about, you know, the issue involved, right? Um, yeah, th- th- those are the kind of actions I do support in general. That's great advice. Great way to end it too. Um, if people want to follow up with you, learn more about the work that you do, do you have uh, an email or a website that they can reach yeah. out to yeah, I have a personal website. There's lots of lots of stuff there. It's uh, just my name.com. So it's just tedglick.com. And uh, you'll find uh, a lot more there than you'll ever be able to look at. Awesome. <laughs> it goes back. It goes back, I think, about 20 years, this website in terms of things I've written, some pictures, some videos, some poems, etc. So yeah, there's a lot there. Way to awesome. contact me. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to uh, chat and, yeah. um, you know, keep up the good work. Yeah, well, thank you. And you, too. I really, I really do appreciate it. it was, I, I, I like the conversation we had. Awesome. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye.